Welcome to The Wag, presented by Sportflix, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Waggle Podcast. And this podcast, like every Waggle Podcast, is brought to you by our good friends at Sport Clips. We're known for the Sport Clips MVP haircut experience, which includes shampoos massaged into your scalp, hot steam towels for your beautiful face, and sports on TV like hockey, baseball, basketball, and the most beautiful sport of all, football. Oh, and legendary haircuts. It's good to be a guy. It's really good to be a Sport Clips guy, and it's really good to be a quarterback in any league. And right now, the only football league that's playing is the NFL. We, this week on The Waggle, are going to talk to an NFL quarterback that once applied his trade in the CFL. And we're now joined by a man that CFL fans love, specifically uh, the fans in Winnipeg, but they love him so much they hated to see him go, but are certainly happy for him, and that is Chris Treveller, who uh, has taken his talents south to the NFL, south literally to Arizona as he's playing for the Arizona Cardinals. Chris, congrats on on all the success, both personally and team success, and and how has the transition been for you? Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me on. It's good to talk to you, but uh, yeah, you know, transition's been good. Um, You know, you mentioned Winnipeg, who was It was tough to leave. I mean, had a lot of good relationships there with teammates, coaches, you know, obviously the fans are super passionate there and it's, it was hard to leave, uh, just leave that whole atmosphere, but you know, couldn't be more excited about being down here and uh, the opportunity to be with the Cardinals and help out in any way that I can. So excited to be down here for sure. Hey, you were a player who people looked at and projected and said, man, he's probably about ready to get his own team, get his own CFL team, be a full-time starter. And then you just leapfrog that progression with your athleticism and your upside, and um, now you're you're someone who says you could play, you know, in, on Sundays and, and eventually impact an NFL team. For you, what growing up, you know, obviously the NFL is a goal as a kid, but when did that, you know, opportunity really start to materialize and seem like it was an attainable goal? Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, like growing up as a kid, you know especially being a football player, always thinking, you know, I want to make it to the NFL. But, you know, when I made it to the CFL, that was never really something that was in my mind. You know, when I got to the CFL, my whole mindset was just like, okay, I'm super happy to be here. Like, I'm just lucky to even get to play professional football for my job. So I'm going to put everything I have into this and be the best CFL player that I can be and kind of just, you know, if the NFL, if I do get an opportunity, that'll take care of itself. But there's no need to worry about that. All you got to do is focus on where you're at at that moment and just make the most of the opportunity. So that was always my mindset in the CFL. And then, you know, I didn't really even realize that the NFL was going to be a possibility until kind of getting into the playoffs last year. Um, my agent had hit me up and said that some teams were inquiring about a, a postseason workout, um, you know, and they were interested, you know, which was kind of interesting for me going into the playoffs, you know, pretty well documented was dealing with an injury, but uh you know, so that kind of made things a little bit trickier and different once I was able to get into workouts. But uh, that's kind of when I started hearing from NFL teams and knowing that there was going to be a little bit of interest uh, down south. Yeah, I'd imagine that would be a lot to handle mentally. You're going through the playoffs, you're carrying an injury for you. Was it difficult to focus on the task at hand and winning the Great Cup, knowing that you had this potential opportunity looming? 
No, it wasn't hard to focus at all, honestly, because like while I was really excited about the opportunity with the NFL, like I was so invested with Winnipeg and that was my main goal. Honestly, I kind of told my agent, I was like, well, because we had a conversation about like, well, you know, do you obviously you're dealing with an injury, like maybe you shouldn't play this and that to get ready for these workouts. And I was kind of like, no, I'm not doing that. Like I owe it to my teammates. I owe it to myself to see this thing through and like if I'm going to be able to get out there and play for these playoffs I want to be able to do it regardless of how that's going to impact these NFL chances so um, it really wasn't hard for me to focus at all because you know I've said it a million times but I I love that locker room I love that team so it was a no-brainer for me even if it meant you know kind of sacrificing some of those opportunities down south to go out there and finish off the season and give it everything I had to contribute in any way that I could so it wasn't hard to focus and you know, winning that Grey Cup was one of the best feelings I've ever had in my life. And, um, you know, probably one of the things I'm most proud of in my whole athletic career. So I wouldn't change anything about the way I went about it. It's crazy when you think of like, the fiscal difference uh, in, in that you were jeopardizing as a, you know, a support player in the CFL to potentially, you know, a player in the NFL. And you were willing to risk it when people say, you know, I can't put a price on winning a championship. That's a nice cliche, but you literally uh, exhibited that. Is there some parts of your game, some aspects of your game that you developed in the CFL that have actually helped you in your transition to be able to compete at the NFL level? Oh, 100%. I mean, just the whole process of becoming a professional. Like, you go in college, and I, I had a good process in college, especially my last two years at South Dakota because – I was doing my master's, but the whole program was online. So basically I'd spend the whole day at the stadium, watching film, working out, kind of taking care of my body. But once you get to that professional level when you're, you're around grown men and, you know, guys like Matt Nichols who have been in the league for 10 plus years that have been doing it, like to be able to be around guys like that, you know, Weston dress or, you know, Darvin Adams, great leaders um, in that locker room and just see how they carry themselves on a day-to-day basis. Like, not only skill set wise, but just the way that I prepared on a day to day basis, on a week to week basis, and the things that I felt like I needed to do. I kept adding things just week in and week out, and both years that I felt was going to be helpful. So um, obviously, my game continued to progress when I was up there. I mean, you play two years at the professional level, you're going to get better, you're going to improve, you're going to feel more comfortable. But even more so, I feel like I improved just as a professional and how my mindset going into every game, the way that I approached my film work, the way that I took notes, everything just continued to progress. And it gave me the tools to, you know, have a chance to get more opportunities down here just because I knew what it was like being in a professional locker room. I knew how to carry myself coming in and how to prepare on a week to week basis. So those are things that I'm still incorporating every single day down here and honestly wouldn't have at my disposal had, you know, this opportunity come about two years earlier. That's why I'm so thankful for my time in the CFL because it gave me those tools that allowed me to, you know, kind of step in here, be comfortable from the get-go and have a process that was going to work at the professional level. What's the biggest difference between the two games? I mean, just the obvious things, like just the way that, you know, defenses move and play with, with 12 guys on the field and the waggle, everything that was so different for me in the CFL. So, I mean, like, that's obviously different down here. Um, You know, you've got some great, great players down here in the league. There's obviously great players in the CFL too, but, you know, there's some some real freaks of nature down here. But 
I think just kind of transitioning back to the American game, the way defenses play, the way that offenses do things is a bit different. So getting to transition to back into that was, you know, it took a little bit, but, you know, I'm feeling comfortable about everything. Having played here my entire life, it was more of a transition probably going up to Canada and learning how things worked up there than it was coming back down here. So, um, you know, you got that and you got some of these, you know, just amazing players down here. So, you know, I'm just kind of still working into all that, but um, doing the best I can and learning every single day. For 107 years, every Grey Cup moment has included you, the fan. This is your league. Through fog and rain, in tragedy and triumph, you are the foundation of this league. Now take your place in history. For a limited time, you can etch your name on the Grey Cup fan base. Become a part of the Grey Cup's legacy. Visit greycupfanbase.ca to add your name and raise the cup. people you know look at the two different games and obviously there's there's intricacies like you mentioned and you know different styles of, of fronts and coverages and because the rules and the size of the field dictates that um but you guys had some dogs in that blue armor uh, locker room how many of the guys that, that you played with on that championship team in your estimation could play uh, alongside you in the nfl you know if given um role opportunity and circumstances a lot yeah i mean i say this all the time to guys down here and i i truly believe it that there's there's a there's a lot of players up in canada that could play down here it's just a matter of getting the right opportunity at the right time you know i mean i couldn't put a number on the amount of guys in winnipeg but i mean you saw it this year there was four dudes that just got opportunities down here i know i think willie had a workout there was some other guys that had workouts like and there's guys that are definitely good enough. It's just a matter of getting the right opportunity at the right time. And I mean, that's really just the name of the game in football. Like you can be the best player in the world, but if you don't get the right opportunity, you know, it's going to be hard to take advantage of that. So um, I think that there's more players that can play up there that end up then end up coming down here just because they're not afforded, um, you know, the right opportunity at the right time. But I've got nothing but great say great things to say to everyone down here about the talent level up there. I mean, if if it wasn't for the great talent level up there, I wouldn't have been able to come down here and kind of step in and, and get rolling into camp with no OTAs as quickly as I did. So um, I think that just speaks to the level of competition up there and um, the type of players they have. I think people down here really sleep on it. How do you feel your opportunity in rule was? I mean, you know, I'm sure you hear – all the talk that happens whenever, you know, a CFL quarterback gets an opportunity. Some people are like, oh, that guy's just going to be a camp arm. It's not a real, real look. And then, you know, for you, there's people who said, like, listen, this is going to be, you know, another version of, of, you know, what Taysom Hill could be for the Saints right away. And then eventually, you know, who knows what happens from there, given that you're still so young. How did you feel that the opportunity was for you? First of all, I'm, I'm never really concerned about what people are saying, you know, cause I mean, there's always going to be people that have something to say and the people that aren't there in the building, they don't, they don't know really what's going on. So I'm sure there was people that said, Oh, you know, he's going down here, just going to be a camp arm. He'll be back. And then I'm, I know there was people saying, no, you taste some hill, this and that for me, it's always just focus on myself. I'm not worried about trying to be anybody else. I'm not trying, I'm not worried about whether I'm just a camp arm. I'm not worried about how many reps I get. 
you know, coming into camp, I was told I wasn't going to get very many reps at quarterback. And then, you know, I think a couple of days and I got like two reps and I was doing some stuff on special teams. And my mindset was just like, okay, I'm, I'm getting two reps. I'm going to try to do the best that I can be as clean with my reads and, and my, you know, footwork and everything on these two reps. And that's all I can do. I can't worry about how many reps or opportunities I'm getting, whether I'm on the scout team for special teams or I'm getting a real rep here, you know, like, when I started out on special teams here, I was like six string on the depth chart, but we were doing stuff on air and doing stuff like that. And I was just like, okay, it's an on air rep, but I'm going to go as hard as I can because that's, this might be the only rep that I get today. And I'm going to try to make the most of it. And, you know, for me, if I go as hard as I can and focus on every single rep and not worry about the stuff that I can't control, then at the end of the day, however it works out, whether, you know, worked out with me making the team or getting cut, whatever, I can be okay with that because I know that I gave everything I had and wasn't worried about, you know, not getting opportunities or I wasn't, you know, feeling bad for myself. I was just worried about trying to make the most of that one rep that I had because you never know how many you're going to get. What's it like for you, you know, being on a team led by Cliff Kingsbury, someone who's obviously pretty quarterback friendly considering the guys that he's coached, but even his offense with the air raid style, some concepts that are similar to the CFL, but just in general has seemed to be from the outside looking in, you can let us know seem to be pretty open-minded on how he utilizes roster how he looks at at players um what's it been like stepping into to his young program yeah no it's been great like honestly when i came down here to work out and you know after the workout was done he he talked to me and something that kind of stuck with me he was like no i'm excited about the opportunity to potentially work with you and you know for me like coming from a guy like that who you know is so offensive minded and has coached some great quarterbacks and you know, done things like that. It was super exciting for me. So to be able to send meetings with him every single day, you know, I take, I always have my notepad out. I'm always writing things down because he's always giving us good tidbits here and there. And, you know, some of the stuff that we do offensively is very similar to what I was doing at South Dakota in terms of the spread, no huddle stuff. And some of the concepts are similar. So for me, it was, it was kind of nice to be able to step into something that, you know, I had some experience doing things that were similar in college. Um, but, you know, you also said that he's, you know, open to utilizing his players. And I think that that's you hit the nail on the head. He's very open to utilizing his players strengths and putting them in positions to be successful. And, um, you know, obviously, I've only been here a couple weeks, so I wouldn't say I'm an expert on anything at this point. But to be a part of this and get to learn from him and, you know, be a small part of this offense has been extremely fun. And I'm looking forward to seeing how we can keep it going this season. So you're literally in basically like kind of football experiment in terms of how do you assimilate to a new team, new culture, new league, new offense, new level of play and do that really fast, you know, be able to, to do things so that, you know, when you do have a rep, when you are playing, you know, you're not thinking, you're just reacting. And, and so for, for, you know, younger football players who are listening to this, who want to understand, you know, how to quickly understand concepts how do you go about it when you are put into a new situation do you try to draw parallels to previous uh, systems and offenses that you were in or do you start from scratch and try to learn everything totally new and 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 pick it up that way no I mean I think you have to draw parallels I mean there's there's base concepts that a lot of offenses are going to run and so when you see it you're thinking oh okay you know I've done something like this before so I feel a little more comfortable with it going in. And, you know, for me, like going through the virtual OTA period, which was, you know, nothing compared to what normal OTAs were. But I mean, every day after meetings, I would meet with the QB coach and we would go through 
signals and I would do the drops in my kitchen and I would, you know, go through my reads in my kitchen, like little things like that. It, it paid off when it came time to get into camp because, you know, from day one, when we were doing, you know, doing some plays and doing walkthrough stuff, like I felt like I had already been doing the stuff, even though it's completely different when you're doing it in your kitchen. But, you know, if that's what you have, then, then you, then you have to do it. If that's the best that you can do, you know, you got to do it. So, um, you know, just mentally preparing myself by going through the stuff over and over again, that way, when it actually came time to get real reps, I knew what I was doing and I had done those, I've gone through those, that footwork and those reads, you know, bunches of times. So I think that was a way that I kind of prepared myself um, to be able to get reps and just be able to step in when I did get a couple reps here and there and, and know what was going on. Because like I said, you don't know how many reps you're going to get. So, you know, if you, you got to be able to know what's going on when you step in. So um, I kind of just, did some unconventional things with no OTAs. You know, we had these virtual reality goggles too that we would upload practices on. So I would put those on and, you know, go out to the field or be in my living room, just kind of training my eyes on certain plays and progressions and just locating, you know, defenders and going through the reads like that. So, um, you know, kind of unconventional things, but this has been an unconventional year and off season for everybody. So um, that stuff really paid off for me, I think. You mentioned the virtual OTAs and, you know, this is this is new for everyone, given our new realities with with COVID being a real thing and us, you know, all no matter what industry you're in, getting on Zoom calls and working from home. But but sports and specifically football is different because I've always believed that teams and culture and championships built in the off season in, in, in the summers, running together, lifting together. And you guys weren't really be able to able to do that in the same way because you could be putting yourselves in jeopardy now that you guys are together, especially for you as a newcomer, how has it been building that, that chemistry, that camaraderie, that culture that great teams need? Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. I think that, you know, the culture of a football team is very important and, you know, that's part of the reason why this off season, when I signed, I moved out here because I was hoping to get in the facility and just get around guys early so I could, you know, just be around people and build some relationships and build a little camaraderie going in. So, you know, when I came out here, the facilities closed down, but I was fortunately able to work out and throw with, a, with you know, probably 10 or so guys on the team and just build some sort of relationship there, which was really helped me going in just to have some familiar faces of guys on offense, a couple guys on defense, and just know some people coming in. But, you know, I think, you know, the coaches and the, and the front office build, try to build a culture of the locker room that they want. And, you know, I can't say enough about the locker room that we have here. Guys, guys get along. Guys are always, you know, chatting each other up and stuff like that. Um, very welcoming to new guys. So um, I've loved being a part of a part of this locker room so far. And I think the culture is one that's, you know, there's a lot of young guys and a lot of young talent. And, you know, we got some great veteran leaders, too. So there's a good mix of everything going on where, um, you know, I think that, you know, we got things headed in the right direction now. We just got to keep it going, keep working hard. Sounds a lot like uh, the team you played on in Canada, the way you describe things and, and the vibe. I can't I can't even remember when the last time you lost a football game is because <laughs> you've been on teams that are that are, are rolling. I, I, maybe you know it's just because of the logo and the team. You know the Cardinals didn't get as much respect in the NFC West. That for me the most difficult uh, division right now uh, in, in football. But you guys have had a great start and if you just look at you know you're too deep you, you guys should be able to compete with anyone is that the feeling in the locker room that, that you guys um you know aren't building to something in the future that your, your time is now 
Well, I mean, I feel like, you know, coming into the season and through camp, we felt really good about what we had in the locker room. And, you know, once again, not really concerned about what people outside the locker room think about the team. They're not in there working every day. They're not coming to practice. So they really don't know. And we felt comfortable and really confident in what we had. And once again, it's just about that process of attacking every day and getting better, especially this year with the shortened camp and no OTAs. It was super important to make the most of every single day um, with no preseason and all that stuff. So I think we did a great job of that through camp and kind of blocking out that noise. We don't really care what other people have to say about our chances in the West or anything like that. You know, we know it's a great division and we know there's a, there's a lot of great teams. And I mean, shoot, it's the NFL. Every team's good, you know, so um, you got to bring it every week. But, you know, we loved the way that we worked through camp and continue to get better. And we got to continue need to do that throughout the season because you know it's only week two and um while while we have won a couple games here we there's a long way to go and um in order to get where we want to go we have to continue to work hard and, and be focused week in and week out i'm sure you you may have noticed it on social media although your mentions are super busy so you may have missed it but you know canadian fans cfl fans fans of yours who aren't able to scratch that canadian football itch this year because there won't be a, a 2020 season have now looked south and said okay let me let me cheer on our our, our former cfl player when you heard that there wasn't going to be a season in canada what were your thoughts for for all the guys that that you, you did play with i mean yeah it's it, it's it's just such a tough situation i mean like uh, it's obviously been a crazy year with everything going on so the cfl made the decision that they made and they felt like that was the best decision but you know, it's, I mean, it's hard for guys. Like, it, it took a long time for them to announce that the season was canceled, and I think that put guys in a really tough position because guys were kind of waiting and waiting and, you know, holding off on getting jobs and um, things like that. So it put guys in a hard position. So, you know, I, I, I felt terrible for those guys. I know it's – I can't imagine, you know, to be kind of thinking, okay, season's coming, season's coming for a couple months, and then to have it kind of canceled. I'm sure that was just a blow to the gut for a bunch of guys and, um, you know – obviously got a lot of good relationships with dudes from Winnipeg. So reached out to a bunch of guys and just kind of checked in with them and, you know, seeing what they're thinking and what their direction is. And, you know, still talk to some of those guys on the, on a daily basis. So, um, you know, it's a tough situation for everybody involved and, you know, hopefully next year, you know, they can get things rolling again, back to normal and, you know, the league can come back uh, strong as ever, because I think that, you know, I know that Canadians are extremely passionate about the CFL. I mean, I see it, saw it firsthand for two years, and I see it, you know, on my social media all the time with people like, ah, no CFL season, we got to watch the Cardinals, or we got to watch the NFL, this and that. And, you know, all these support is always really appreciated. I really feel for those guys up in Canada who, you know, aren't able to play this year. Yeah, life timing is everything, and, and your timing um, and making the move, you know, personally for you, uh, couldn't have been better and it's great that you, you still are able to you know allow your talents to, to be shown and, and play the game that you love lastly before I let you go you mentioned those fans that are now watching and consuming um, you know what would you say to them if you could let them know one thing about you know your experience here in Canada and, and now your experience in, in the United States but still having you know you know a 33 some odd million Canadians cheering for you in the NFL. Well, what would you, what would you say to those fans? Just thank you. And, and I, I hope that you guys know, and those people know everyone that's been involved with the CFL in Canada knows how much I appreciate my time up there. Like, like I said earlier in this interview, like I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't have gotten the same opportunities down here without my time up there. And I wouldn't be the same person. I wouldn't be the same player without, without all that stuff. Like these two years completely changed my mindset, changed the way I approached the game. Just, it made me a professional. And I mean, the fan support, like it's, it's so cool to see. And I hope everybody knows how much that means to me and, you know, everyone reaching out and just wishing me well, even when I had to leave Winnipeg and sign down here, there was really, I didn't see anybody, you know, I don't check it that regularly, but I didn't see anybody mad about it. Everyone was super excited for me and this great opportunity. So, you know, I'm so appreciative of all those people up there, all the support they've given me. And, you know, I'm even more appreciative of the CFL and, the person and the player that it's made me today. Awesome. Well, we are appreciative of that person and the player. And and thank you so much for coming on the waggle uh, to help us uh, with that football fix that we're mixing all the best uh, South of the border. Keep playing hard. Yeah. Appreciate it. No, thanks for having me on and uh, I'll come on anytime. So this is fun. Kubota and the CFL's 2019 Community Hero winner Robert Morse from Quebec City is a proud veteran and member of Père Adam. He gives back to the community by helping and mentoring returning soldiers. If you know a hero like Robert, nominate and share their story at kubota.ca backslash community hero. They could win a Brawl King Regal Pro Barbecue. Contest runs until October 9th, 2020. Visit Kubota.ca slash Community Hero for more. And once again, thank you to the pride of Crystal Lake and someone Blue Bombers and really CFL fans from across the country is still really proud of. Chris Streveler at CStrevy is the handle on Twitter. If you want to go and give him some love and some encouragement as he is representing presenting the CFL as an alumnus right now in the NFL. Speaking of quarterbacks, we have one coming on the waggle next week. That is Brandon Bridge, who has transitioned from being a CFL quarterback in a different way. He's now endeavoring to work in law enforcement. So we'll talk to him about that transition and the real important work. So many good podcasts for you Bomber fans. We talked to the first lady to have her name written on the Great Cup last week who also is chairman of the board of the Bombers, Dana Spearing. Go down through the list. All of our podcasts over the last little bit have been pretty evergreen as we get through what should be a season but is an extended offseason until we come back bigger and better in 2021. And while you do that, please make sure to like, favorite, share, subscribe. Your encouragement and enthusiasm online is much appreciated, so share it with your friends. Until next time, this is The Wagon Podcast. The Wag, presented by Sportflix, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League.